Welcome to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. The Sogro Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of Sogro Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council meeting. I'm so excited to see you guys today. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization for executive level marketers. And we get together once a month and we share tips with each other so that we can all stay up to speed on what is happening in multiple different areas of marketing. A while back, I found myself trying to just connect with other marketers because there were so many areas of marketing that I didn't have access to and wasn't sure what was going on in those different areas. And so we just started informally getting together and just sharing all the different things that were happening happening in our area of marketing. And so we decided to formalize that. And that's how these meetings came about. So we have marketers that have submitted tips to present today, and we'll have four minutes for our presenters to share a tip that is educational and informational. So these tips are not commercials or not salesy, but they're really educational and informational to help all of us as marketers to learn different areas of marketing. And then after each presenter offers their tip, then we're going to have one minute where you guys can ask questions, we can have a discussion, and we can um, have comments, whatever um, whatever you guys want to do for that one minute. And then Sarah's going to be our timer today. So if you go over, she'll just kind of give you a little wave if you guys are getting close. And then uh, if you guys go over, you'll hear timer go off. And that just lets you know just to go ahead and wrap up. And we have featured experts who are our presenters. And um, I will put a list of everybody in the chat today. And if there's somebody that is on the list that has not logged in on yet, we'll just um, go to the next person. Um, but our featured experts are people that are handpicked as somebody in a particular industry that we know is really, really um, an expert in that area. So we've got Kristen Sellier, she's our graphic design expert. And um, Yana Tori is our email marketing expert, which I don't think she has logged on yet. And then Scott Siegel is our sales expert. And Sarah Stewart is our social media expert. And then um, I'm the public relations seat. And then Kimberly Petty, who is not logged on, is our crisis communication expert. So that is the order today. And um, what we'd like to do is just take a picture of everybody uh, before we get started. So if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to give you guys a little heads up. And if you guys don't mind looking at the camera, we'll just smile. We'll do it real quick on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm going to do one more because a lot of times we have somebody close their eyes and sometimes it's me, sometimes it's somebody else, but we'll do it one more time. All right, ready, set, one, two, three. Awesome. And as we mentioned, we do record the meetings and we also take the best tips and include them in the podcast. So if you go to SoGrowPR.com, there's a marketing council tab and under there we have the podcast and go look at all the, or go listen to all the past episodes. And there's so many great tips going back quite a while. And then we record these. And if you are a Sober Marketing Council member, you get access to the back end of the website. And one of the perks is that you get to access the videos. So if you present a tip and you want to take that clip, you can use that and use that for marketing for your own company. And feel free to just take those videos and use them as you want. And then you can watch the videos as well. So we are going to get started today. And um, Kristen, would you like to present a tip today? 
I'd be happy to. Great. And one more thing I was just going to say is just remember to say your name and your company. And that way we get to know you guys. And especially for the people on the podcast, we'll get to hear who you are as well. All right, Kristen, I'll turn it over to you. Good morning. I'm Kristen Sellier with ID8. I'm the founder of, of this branding agency. I started when I was 26 and this is year 21. You can do some fast math and figure out how old I am. Uh, today, what I'm going to talk about is taking a brand and turning it into environmental design. I feel like in marketing, the next steps once you're doing branding or marketing is to ensure that the space within either a retail store or restaurant office space really speaks to the entire brand experience. So behind me, you'll see on my wall, there's a number eight. And uh, there's a few different ways to achieve uh, artwork like that. That is done with vinyl and that is a color specified vinyl that was die cut and applied and installed to this wall in a particular way. And this is, uh, you'll work with a sign company to engage, to create this. And then a designer can typically do the design. A lot of uh, design uh, sign companies like this will provide this, the design at no charge. So if you're working with a company, there's a great local company called Southern Signs. Uh, Kimberly Dumet owns it. There's another sign, uh, sign company called Signs and More, and that's owned by Bill Swanson. They're both great companies and they offer that design free of charge. Uh, so it's included within the sign. Um, the other thing that they can do is frosted glass. Glass is really popular right now and companies are wanting to bring in as much natural light. I mean, look at the background that Scott has. That's a very modern contemporary office. The problem with glass is that sometimes it impedes on people's privacy um, in their office. So a nice way to create a nice brand experience and still respect the person's privacy is to do a frosting or a dusting. So the frosted glass is one type of vinyl. Dusted is a new one. It has little metallic flakes in it. So it has this look of transparency. You can still see through it, but it lets the light through. But if someone's looking through my door, they're not going to be able to see me, but all the light from my office going into the rest of the office is still readily available. Uh, so we um, recommend you can design that dusting and put the brand logo into it or invert it as a cutout into the frosted. So it creates a nice brand experience across uh, one of the, you know, to me, having being able to extend your brand into an experience helps to amplify the brand message, what the brand stands for. And like Erin does a lot of video work, you know, if she's shooting video, it's great to walk into an office with, you know, a nice logo on, on the wall. So that those two companies should help you. And I just wanted to give you a little bit of information on how to achieve something like that. Uh, I think, do I have any time left, Sarah? You have a minute. Yeah, you have a minute, but you're okay. good. <laughs> so I will continue on. Um, sorry, everyone listening. Um, there's other ways to achieve this. Something really popular right now is hand painting. So murals, you've seen them pop up all around downtown areas. They're bringing artists in to do that work. We've done the same thing. We were working within a school and they wanted their logo and they wanted design integrated into the um, school experience. So we went on to Thumbtack and I looked through, I don't know, five different mural artists and found one that could execute the design. And they were able to come in and paint the logo onto the wall and then create this 
it basically enveloped the hallway and went over and around the um, lockers and right by the water fountain. It had little icons that were representative of the brand and they produced that before school opened um, back in the spring. So mural artists are another great way to come in and really bring to life a brand and express it in ways that something being produced couldn't be done. So. Um, if you have questions, I'm more than happy to answer it. And uh, that's all that I have today. You're good. Great, thank you, Kristen. Any thoughts or questions for Kristen? That was a great tip. So you were saying glass is really popular? Yes. Like just glass is um, really popular because of you know light standoffs, doing signage on like standoff silver gold is something we're doing for a client right now. And then putting the sign on the standoffs Vinyl can be problematic because if you don't apply it correctly, it destroys the drywall behind it. So there's a proper way to prepare the vinyl. And then there's also this new um, material that's a peel off vinyl. So you can apply it and take it off without destroying the wall. So some people are uh, doing this peel and stick where you can peel it off. Um, you've seen it in wallpaper recently come out where it's peel and stick wallpaper. Yep. Very awesome. cool. <clears throat> it seems to me like as you're thinking through the larger picture of your brand, thinking down the road of, I might want to have this painted somewhere, might change your idea on what your logo might look like. Because I imagine some logos are probably easier to replicate doing some sort of painting versus other logos are probably gonna be a little bit harder with something like that. Like if you have shading or you know a variegated logo or something like that, that might be a little bit harder. I imagine that's probably important to put in the overall process of, of deciding about your branding. Would right. you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like embroidery, is a different method versus screen printing versus four color printing. They all have to be set up a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Thank you so much, Kristen. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Scott, would you like to introduce yourself and share a tip today? Or yet, yeah, let me just pull up my presentation quick. <laughs> okay, let me just get this set. Uh, yeah, so good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Scott Siegel. My company is Beacon Sales Advisors. What I want to talk about this morning are the key elements to a great client meeting, and there are three. You want to have a pre-meeting, you want to have a great meeting, and you want to talk about what we do after the meeting. The ultimate goal is we want any one of our clients to say, I would have paid for that meeting. So what does that look like? So one of the things I learned a long time ago were the five Ps. And the five Ps stand for poor performance precedes poor planning. Take the time to plan. The first step is to pre-work two to three weeks ahead of time. If you're building a presentation, don't do it the night before. Start two to three weeks ahead of time. I'll talk about a meeting planner in a minute but keep that presentation really short. Remember, it is about your client. It is not about us. A week prior to the meeting, have a pre-call. Go through the, the meeting planner, review the presentation. And one of the things that people miss are the details. Where is the meeting? What time is the meeting? What roles or responsibility is going to play? What if scenarios? What if you have an hour with a client and they say, Stephanie, I only have 20 minutes. What do we want to cover? Make sure someone is described and take notes. If you're leading the meeting, you can't do that. Then make sure someone is a timekeeper. 
you want to have flawless execution and you want to do an after action review, which I talked about two months ago. And then you want to make sure you're entering that information into your CRM. And you want to make sure you're following the three W's. Who is going to do what by when? And then these are just examples of meeting planners and summaries I use with my clients. They're one page. On the left, you identify who the attendees are, what your sales objective is, what are the key needs, what discussion topics, what objections might come up, and what key questions to ask. And the summary is the same way. By taking the time to fill these out, there's a reason they're on one page. You're going to have a great meeting. So those are the key elements of having a great client meeting. My name is Scott Siegel, and my company is Beacon Sales Advisors. Thank you, Scott. Those are really helpful tips. In terms of the size of a meeting, do you have any recommendations of how what is the ideal size of a meeting and when you should start capping it off or when you might need some more people involved? Yeah, that's a great question. So my rule of thumb is you are only invited to the meeting if you have a role to play. Because what happens sometimes, let's say you're going to see a client, they have two people and you come in with five. It becomes overwhelming. What you want to have is a great discussion. If someone doesn't have a role, unfortunately, from my perspective, you're not going to be invited. Everyone has to have a role because what happens is if someone doesn't have a role and it's not clearly defined, right? We're all humans. We think we have to say something. And more often than that, what they say is the wrong thing. Yeah, I'm sure we've all experienced that. The mm -hmm. meetings where there are too many people, too many opinions. It's hard to get anything done. Absolutely. Does anybody else have thoughts or questions for Scott? I wanted to thank you. I, I think it was really, um, really valuable information. Thank you. Thank you. Scott, you're always so organized. Yeah, thank you. Well. <laughs> Here's a practice. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Scott. We appreciate your expertise. I have one quick question on that, Scott. So sometimes we have a meeting where we've got, you know, like we had a meeting like this. There's three clients, three people to the clients, and we have six people in the meeting. So the reason we bring more people is so that we don't have to have spend time translating everything that took place in the meeting to the rest of the team. So would you still suggest having less people in the meeting and then maybe delegating one person to be the transcriber to the rest of the team? I would, because really the, the best meetings you have are the ones that are smaller in nature. Yeah. You have more people there, you know, uh, it's kind of a crazy analogy, but it's like connect, taking connecting flight. I do not like to take connecting flights because the chance of something happening significantly increases. Have someone take a stride. If three of you were there, um, I'm more than confident that someone can translate, but if you bring more people, it it just seems overwhelming. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. All right, Sarah, did you want to present your tip today? Yes, I have um, sort of a quick tip, but um, I was going to talk about social monitoring. Um, my name is Sarah Stewart. I'm the social media expert, and I work with Sogro PR. We've been working, I've been working with Stephanie for about five years. So we're a super PR team, um, but social monitoring. So a lot of dashboards for social media, you know, analytics and planning have 
social monitoring in the dashboard <clears throat> where you can put in hashtags and you can definitely see what your clients, you know, what everyone's posting. You can see comments, you can see responses. And it's super important, you know, part of managing social media profiles and having a great, you know, great engagement is to, you know, respond to people's comments and be on top of what's going on with your audience and with your clients. Um, are you reaching your customers, all this type of thing? Are you, you know, resharing content that is really valuable or has high engagement? So, you know, you can see a lot of that from your dashboard, but there's things that you miss. And my tip is make sure that, you know, at least, a, you know, a couple times a week, it doesn't take long, but go on the social media platforms that you're working with, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and type in the name of that company and see what comes up. You will find it will always surprise you. You think that you'll see everything in the dashboard, but it misses things. Um, unless you're paying, you know, for something really expensive, um, like a completely different monitoring tool or something like that, which could be, you know, a hundred or something dollars a month to pay for that. And I mean, that's worthwhile if you're Google or a big company like Home Depot. But even then, you you can miss things in that platform. Um, for example, this past week, I had a customer and I was setting up, you know, their content for the week. And I was like, you know, I wanted to see how some posts had done on LinkedIn. So I went on LinkedIn, you know, and I typed in their name and I'm just looking around. And I mean, there's usually in the tabs at the top, posts, people, you know, images, all types of stuff comes up and I start going through. And I missed that they were doing this whole, um, we missed that they didn't show up on the dashboard that they had been on a panel at a college speaking. That's fabulous for social media because it's lots of influencers. It has a huge audience. So I was able to see that, go ahead, you know, send it over to the client. Can I share this, share that, get it out? It was perfect. And that has a lot of engagement and a lot of impressions and it's an easy win. Um, I also found out that they were doing, um, visiting a lot of high schools and doing a hiring, you know, recruitment type of thing. They had lots of great images and the marketing person at this company wasn't even, I mean, they were sort of aware of it, but not totally. So I was able to take that content and reshare it. So, you know, easy win. So my tip is, you know, you know, even when you're, when you're doing social media monitoring, or management for a company or with your client or with your own business, make sure that you do a search a couple times a week and see what comes up. Um, even, you know, Google alerts will miss it if you do it, if you automate it and get the Google alerts. It's worthwhile to go in, put that business name in there and, you know, go down the rabbit hole a little bit, searching, seeing where things are going, and you can find some great content to reshare for your client or for your own business. My name is Sarah Stewart. Anyone have any questions? Sorry, I would say that that shows the importance of marketers and you can't automate everything. No, There's still an element where you still need to have that expert looking at things and not just relying on technology all the time because technology is not, doesn't cover everything. Yep, yep, absolutely. Sarah, when we're going in and looking, that was a great tip. I'm gonna start doing that because I didn't think about that. Is there something that we should look for, like a aha moment um, when we're going through and searching? Yeah, I mean, anything that, you know, it's it, 
it definitely feels a little bit like mining. You're looking for those, you know, gems that would be great to share. Um, you know, anything that's got influencers in the post, um, when you share that, it's going to have a bigger audience like the college or the high school or, you know, people that have a lot of followers. Another client of ours has recently brought on a client who is an influencer herself, and she's posting a lot of content about the business that's fabulous to share. I mean, that's free advertising. You know, it's such good word of mouth. So just, you know, look for anything that either has great images, great content, great video, or influencers in it that when you share it, it's going to get a lot of impressions and a lot of engagement. Great. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Sarah. Is there anyone else you prepared a tip today? I know maybe you may have prepared it and not had a chance to submit it. Virginia, do you want to go ahead and share and introduce yourself? Yes, one second. I, I want to share my screen. So, yes. Um, okay, so my name is Virginia Navajiger, and I'm the CEO of Transformative Power, and I have a consulting company where I help people to really communicate effectively and powerfully what they do so they can create more influence and power in the world. Um, one of the things that I encounter in my work as a consultant is that a lot of, you know, basically I work with people, right? So whether it's a business owner or a leader of organization, I work with a person, right? And that person is in charge of visibility, right? So if somebody wants to present themselves as a expert, most people know what to do, right? So they will hire a consultant to help you kind of like, how do you communicate something, how you do something. But at the end of the day, a lot of these actions require a person to show up and do them, right? So I cannot make a Facebook Live for a client, like the client has to go and show up to the Facebook Live. So there are a lot of actions that require you to do it, right? And that is where visibility blocks happen. And that is where the person is like, well, I didn't have enough time because I have client appointments, or I didn't have enough time because of whatever, right? So that is where I see what I call visibility resistance. Somebody is resisting to be seen and is uncomfortable to put themselves out there and put their expertise out there. So I have created this model in which you can shift your mindset. And then it's not only creating the task of, I am going to do a Facebook Live on Tuesdays, or I'm going to have a phone call with a client on Wednesdays. It is to be aware of what is that mindset and belief under making that decision. So in this, in this example here, uh, I call it habit transformation, which is say you're passive in Facebook. And you, you have said for a year that you're going to do a Facebook Live and you don't do it. So what do you believe that is helping you be passive? So you may believe that you're going to be criticized for your idea in Facebook Live and that's why you don't do it. So then what truly happens when you don't show up doing a Facebook Live, what really happens is that you do not get feedback and you don't get to connect with your potential clients. So the new habit is 
to be active in Facebook Live because you can possibly be connected with other people. So instead of believing that you're going to be criticized when you're in Facebook Live, then you can create this new belief of I can be connected and I can be having an amazing conversation with amazing people and I can make an impact. Um, so I put in here like different examples um, of different ways in which our daily business activities that are related to being visible in the world get affected by uh, what we believe that action will do for us. And when we challenge that belief and when we really say, hey, what does really happen? What happens is I don't create business. What happens is I don't connect with my clients. And what truly happens when you create that, that activity is something really amazing and powerful and really beautiful. Um, so yeah, so basically I put in here different examples and I gave specifically the Facebook Live to make it a little short for you. So yeah, so I'm open for questions. I can go. Well, yes. yeah, I, not really a question, but I do really, I think this is really cool to think about this. I, I run into this a lot when I'm doing video. Um, I feel like usually if it's like a small business, that's the main reason people don't want to do videos because they're like, I don't want to be on it. Um, and so um, I like the kind of different mindset around it that, um, yeah, I, I think that's really cool. Thank you. Thank you, Erin. Yeah. And always ask yourself, like, what do I believe it will happen? And then think of the best, like the most positive, cool scenario that because of that video, you know, you get a best friend. Like I have gotten best friends in Facebook. Like, you know, you, know, you get a, a super amazing connection or you get an interview, you get a, an opportunity to write a column, right? So if in your brain, you tell yourself the story of all the amazing things that can happen, then you lose the resistance to do it. And actually really good things happen because, you shop, you know? Very true. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you spelled it. We, we've run into that a ton. I've always run into that with social media and especially with sometimes CEOs and executive teams where they really don't, aren't comfortable or don't want to be out there, you know, or not ready to post. But I love how you just laid that out because it kind of gives them a chance to think about am I being resistant? Why am I being resistant? What are the benefits to me? And I think that would be wonderful for convincing them um, and getting them to come on board. So I love that. Yeah. So one thing that I forgot to mention that is really important is if you create, say, a month plan and you say, okay, let's make it an experiment. You believe that you're going to be criticized and people are going to say you're crazy for your idea or whatever it is that they believe, right? They can say it out loud and you're, you're not going to judge them. You're like, okay, cool. You are, you can hold that belief and I'm with you. And then let's do it for a month and let's see what happens. Like, let's see if actually people say you're crazy or criticize you or whatever. And then what they're going to do during that month experiment, they're going to realize that literally like nobody says whatever they thought they were saying, like, like the reactions, like the worst case reaction that they have imagined won't happen. And actually amazing things will happen. And then after a day breakthrough for the habit on 21 days, they actually have a breakthrough to actually doing it consistently. And that's how consistency happens. And then you're able to have them really engaged and happy. Um, because you prove that, that they're going to be safe, like it's safe for them to be visible. Yep, exactly. Yeah. 
Okay. Or, yeah, it's so easy to get caught up in content calendars and automation and all these things. And we forget that at the bottom of this, it's people. <laughs> and there's this personal element of there are some personal things that may be keeping somebody from succeeding in marketing. So it's interesting to bring it to that level. So thank you thank so much, you. Virginia. Thank Does anybody else have a tip they want to present? We have a little bit of extra time today if anybody else prepared a tip. All right, I'm going to go ahead and share my tip with you guys today. So my name is Stephanie Richards, and my company is SoGrow Public Relations. And we help companies to become a force that cannot be ignored by looking within companies and helping them to find out what's truly unique and new to the market that they can bring to the people that they want to work with. So today I wanted to talk to you guys about how far in advance should you pitch the media? This is a question that is really important because if you send a story to the media too late, you're not going to get covered because the content is already filled and, and you're not going to get a spot. If you send it too early, you risk being ignored or you risk that the editor or producer or reporter might just forget about the content because they didn't go back to it. So you really want to time things really, really well so that you can make sure that you are getting in front of people at the right time. So um, when we think in terms of the farthest out that you need to think usually happens when you're writing thought leadership articles or if you're writing, if you're wanting feature stories to be covered. So those are your longer pieces that end up either in print or in digital publications. And it's something that is often 800 words to 1,000 words to 1,200 words. Those are the longer pieces that tend to take up a lot of real estate in these publications. And so those spots fill up really, really quickly. So when you're thinking of pitching stories like that, if you want to write a piece or if you want something that is going to be a feature story, then you really need to think on the minimum three months in advance, but usually it's more like six months in advance. And one way that you can prepare for those is to pull editorial calendars for publications. And these basically map out the topics that a publication is going to cover. And they usually have those feature stories and those topics picked out. So if you can fit within those and, and pitch an idea that aligns with that story months in advance, then you have a better chance of getting that slot versus pitching something last minute or pitching something that doesn't align with those topics. And you can get those editorial calendars usually on the advertising page of a website and they have a media kit and you can download them and usually the editorial calendar is in there. So next, if you have news that you want to announce, let's say it's something that your company is doing, you have a new product or service or something that you are um, announcing that maybe it's like a new um, division of your company, something along those lines. So if you want something like that in digital or print, you really wanna think two to three months in advance if your timeline will allow that, just to be able to make sure that they have enough time if they are filling up their new sections that are a little bit shorter, you still wanna get in there as early as you can. And so especially with print publications that obviously have to be printed, there's a physical component to that, you're gonna be more on the three month side. If it's something that's digital, you can be closer to the two month side. But a lot of those publications that have monthly publications are going to close those deadlines. And so you want to make sure you're in it at least two or three months in advance. And then if you're wanting to pitch a podcaster, we find that podcasters plan pretty far in advance. So usually about three months out, they're, they're booked. So think pretty far ahead for those as well. And if you're doing digital news, like let's say you have a new um, executive that you're bringing on board or something that's a news item, 
you can usually do two days to two weeks if you're looking for digital company news for local coverage and business news and things like that. That's a pretty short timeline for those things. And if you're doing local broadcast interviews, you're going to want to do a lot of times you can get in two days in advance because they're pretty short timelines. But if you want to get ahead of the game, you should be looking at about a week in advance. And that gives you a little bit of leeway. So if they're covered for those two days, because everybody's going to be pitching them for those two days. So if you get a little bit ahead of that, it gives you a little bit more, more bandwidth to be able to get something in. And then if we're talking about national broadcast, again, those interviews, they're still on a pretty short timeline because it's a daily, usually daily interviews and daily content. So usually you're looking about three weeks to one month in advance. If you get too much beyond that, you're going to probably get lost, but they book up pretty fast. So three weeks to about one month. So those are some basic timelines, and I put these details in the forum. So you guys can look in there. It's the latest post under PR, but that at least gives you an idea so that you don't miss all of these opportunities. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time. Keep growing.